0: Jung, Welcome to the Korea Deconstructed podcast. Thank you uh, for taking your time uh, joining with us today. Um, the first question what I want to ask you, because we're going to talk all of these things about mental health and um, psychiatrists and counseling and all these difficult things. But I wonder if we can start by unpacking. What psychology or what counselling is, because I must confess that I've never experienced it myself, and mm. I still have these images of people like laying on a couch while a man with a pipe and a big white beard asks them about their mothers and their dreams and sex and things like that. And I'm not sure how close that is to the truth. You don't have a beard, but I'm not sure if you smoke <laughs> a pipe, <laughs> or, or what actually goes on in reality. So could we start perhaps, please, by unpacking what? psychology or what counseling is from your experience and positions.
1: Of course. Um, you know, what you described, I think that describes like psychoanalytic sessions and that still happens at some places, um, but that those sessions are um, tend to be really intense uh, because they're expected to meet like three times a week Um, hour and hour and a half each time but I think that's not how uh, like a regular typical session um, goes and it's really interesting because I actually had a client who came in and he was really upset that my sofa was small it was just like a one-person sofa he's like what how like uh, how can I lie down if the sofa is this small I'm like yeah that's not going to happen here (laughs) um counseling sessions counseling is um a method or a place where you can come in and, and talk about things that bother you and that you want to change. And um, you, t- you sit down with a person that you feel safe with and kind of unpack it and be able to talk about it. And the therapist's role is to help you um, explore it a little bit without any judgments because that's what t- when change happens, right? And it's hard for, um, not hard for, I think it's, um realistic to assume that that it takes a while right because if if you think about how long you live like you're a 30 year old person Mm -hmm. um you lived 30 years with certain patterns and beliefs and values and in order for some change to happen you need to unpack it and really understand where they come came from and like how you use them and so um I think I, we often say you need at least 10 sessions to really, not really, but somewhat understand yourself and, and make those changes happen. And so what you can assume is um, walk into a comfortable setting and sit down with another person mm-hmm. and just talk about what bothers you. And the therapist helps you to kind of figure out some options.
0: How, I mean, I can obviously get a sense from it, and I, I've met you before, MJ, but how do you make people feel comfortable? I mean, I know it's a weird thing, you might not be able to describe it, but do you have to dress a certain way and look a certain way? Because I don't know, people often tell me, David, you're a bit scary. You look a bit like cynical. And I think it's just English face, but how do you how do you put people at ease, MJ? How um, do you get them in that state?
1: I smile lot.
0: Um <laughs> That helps. No, I mean,
1: that's, a, that's a good question. Um, I think we are trained to respond in ways um, that make the other person not feel judged. So and um, we are trained to not insert our own values. So a lot of um, our responses are focused on reflecting and empathizing and validating. And our, I think basic belief is you are the way you are because they were there. There were reasons for that to be that way right and people say oh isn't that unhealthy or is this okay or, you know and i said probably you built those skills or patterns because you needed them to survive mm. right? because i think we've daily we face a lot of um, situations or conflicts or problems where we don't know how to deal with often and we need coping skills and um, patterns for us to feel safe to make make each day work, right? And so, mm. um, is anything not right? I don't know. You know, people say, is that normal? And I say, well, what is normal? Right, because I think we just live our life the way that we learn how to live and we are, everyone's trying to survive. Mm. That
0: yeah. makes sense? No, it makes perfect sense. And I think that's what I do with my students a lot. When they ask me a question, I ask them a question back. Right, <laughs> I say, that's oh, one
1: of technique too, <laughs> <laughs> right?
0: Does it does it mean this is this would be a weird question, MJ. If you are a counsellor and you provide this kind of this kind of help and it by the way, if ever I get my words wrong, please correct me because I, I I don't know about them. Mm-hmm. But if you are a counsellor and you're providing this kind of psychological help or guidance, does that mean that you've got all your stuff together in your head like perfectly, like you're bang, therefore you can help others?
1: Um what do you think?
0: That...
1: <laughs> <laughs> Of course not, right? People do, clients do make that comment. Like, I'm sure your life is perfect. And I go, do you really think so? Look
0: at me. Like, mm.
1: don't I look, I don't know, worn out. And sometimes I, you know, like I'm tired. I have like 10 different things that have like, happening happen in my head. And I'm like, I worry about my kids. And I had a fight with my husband, you know, like, mm. and I say, no, I think I struggle as much as you do. Um, but maybe I have a little bit more knowledge to how to deal with some of those struggles. Um, or sometimes I'm trained to hide them well.
2: Mm, mm. Um,
1: so that's why therapists are also recommended to have their own therapists too, mm. because we also we're human, and so that we also have a lot of problems. And it's really important for us to to handle them well and contain them well, so that we can focus on our clients when we are seeing their clients.
0: That makes perfect sense just to maybe explore this one more um and i'm not sure if or how you could answer this does it mean that you're sort of walking around with five six seven other people's problems in your head as well as your own or when you close the office door it's like done because i know with my undergraduates across the universities with some i i develop sort of genuine professor student relationships with them and you know but when you close the office door is it just then Or you, or do you have these various other people's problems that you're contending with?
1: Um, I think I'm trained well enough to kind of sit with one person's problem when I'm sitting with that person, and Mm. then when when I step out, then I also have some mechanism in my head that where I can just kind of separate them from my own life too but we also, therapists talk about wearing different hats all the time too. Mm. So like when I'm sitting with a, one one client, then I'm wearing a therapist hat and it, in, in one way, right? Because this client needs ABC. And so mm. I'm focused on providing ABC to this person. Another client comes in, this person really doesn't need ABC. This person needs EFG. Mm. So then I wear a different hat. I, whole different skills to focus on the person. But yeah, sometimes some clients are really um, difficult to sit with because the person has um, a history of black, you of know, things, right? Complex trauma and mm. things. And so um, we're trained to kind of in a way shake it up when we leave the building, because we also do need to really um, focus on our vibes when we are out there, you know, living as another person. Mm. Um, But I also want to make it clear that this doesn't mean that we don't care about our clients. And there are some clients that do follow us a little bit to our home. Mm. And so then we also like try to figure out how to take care of ourselves a little bit well when we are working with these clients because we also need to make sure that we are well and we're not so affected by the
0: problems that these clients share with us. Mm. Yeah, to help others, you've got to be in a good place yourself first. I think that, that that makes a lot of sense when you talk MJ, about some of these these kind of traumas or the problems that people have and they come to you. When I was looking at some of your websites and things like that, and I was looking in Korean, we discussed this. so If I got the information wrong, forgive me. I'm still learning the language after all these years. Um, it, you in one of your statements you said many of the problems that we might have or experience in our life they arise from our relationships so relationships which is interesting because that's not individual actually that's relationships with other people can you maybe unpack some of this like is that correct that our our troubles or th- problems might arrive arise from relationships
1: i think it works both ways right like it rises from relationships, and then
0: our internal
1: struggles or problems also affect our relationships, right? So we can't really separate, like, it's almost like chicken or egg kind of question, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And um, so let's start with um, how relationship affects us. Um, Because we're social beings, um, we also are first group that we, we live with um, right, is our family, right? And, and we learn how to really socialize with other people. But families also have problems too. And so we build our in, interpersonal skills um, through and by our parents and our siblings, my right, family members. And so um, that really um, develops who we are as, as a person. And then after that, when when we have internal problems or psychological emotional problems that really affects how we interact with other people, right? Because we're not feeling really well. We have a lot of different internal struggles that, that hinders us from having healthy relationships. So I often say, you know, I focus on relationships because rather than sometimes, um, I get more information by when I observe my dynamic with my clients, right? Because, I may um, act, I may give A to this person expecting B, but this Mm. person is giving like D or, you know, F and G. And I go, hmm, that's not something happened between what I said and then how this person is responding to me, right? Mm. And so then um, there are certain, again, values, assumptions, um, internal something that um, is really hindering this person to really connect well with me. And that's, that
0: that's where I come in and try to figure out what that is. With these relationships, I mean, a, a lot of these form. Do you think in the in the early states? So you mentioned that we're social animals, and our first relationships are around family and things like that. So, is it? like a developmental thing in early age once we experience those then they really imprint on us for the rest of Mm. our lives or are we still malleable and changing adolescence and i don't know Mm. menopauses and all that stuff that comes on later in life or or is it those early developmental stages that really kind of shape us
1: i do think developmentally it really shapes us however it also can change too and that I think that's where therapy comes in, because when you see, when you first understand what your patterns or what your problems are, because usually we don't, right?
2: mm-hmm. like,
1: you know, CBT talks about CBT cognitive behavior therapy, this is one kind of modality of therapy, um, talks about how we have these all automatic um, assumptions or beliefs, you know, uh, and those um, patterns really affect how we think, right? But mm-hmm. We don't even know that we're using them and mm. so once we realize what our patterns are then we can work on changing them but as i told you like if you lived 20 years using these kind of patterns it will take some time for you to relearn, you know new patterns to incorporate new patterns into the way that you think the way that you behave right mm. and so clients often say you know i've been in therapy for three months why am I not changing? And this person has been coming like twice a month. So then that's three months. That's six sessions, right? And I say, how old are you? You're like 35, and you had you spent six hours talking about this, and you are saying that you want your life to be very different than how hmm. it is. Like I don't. Is that realistic?
0: How this might be a, a sensitive thing, but how does the money aspect come into that? Because I know I know that's really difficult. And I understand that change with like ingrained habits and things take a long time to change. You can't just do a magic pill and it's one session. I don't know, maybe if it's strong psychedelics, it might work, but you, you, you can't just do it immediately It would re- require long term commitment so i completely understand that but then i guess you have patients wondering about kind of money or you get that kind of salesman aspect to it i, I how, how do you manage that mj uh
1: so yes um money is important <laughs> um, to consider before one commits to the process because um, I, um earlier i said five sessions 10 sessions usually i say people and people have that question all the time how many sessions do you think i need Mm. before they start and i say that's a good question because i think it's really important for you to plan and think about how many sessions you will need in order for you to see the change that you want to see and i often say 10 sessions minimum because in order for you to really understand how therapy works and for you to kind of understand yourself and do a lot of trial and error process mm. for you to figure out what fits you well. I think 10 sessions is the minimum. like you, you can't go any lower than that. right? Mm. But the fee is not cheap, especially in Korea. Um, and I'm talking about counseling sessions in these private practice setting. Mm. Um, I think the cheapest that you can get out there maybe like by 50 60 000, won, 50, 000 won, to up to 130 150,000 won per session and mm-hmm. one session is 50 minutes right so if you would say 10 sessions of 100 100 thousand one that's one million and one right and i say yeah that's a lot of money And if you think that's going to really stress you out where you're sitting in your session and go, okay, five minutes, that's how how much money, Mm. (laughs) right? And some people will do that, right? And I say, if that's the place that you are going to be in, I say, no, don't do it because it's going to create another stressor for you. You're going to go home and think about your finances and you're going to, like, there will be just too many things that you'll have to figure out in order for you to sit um, and have that one session. And it's just not going
0: to be productive and helpful does that mean richer people have better mental health because they have better access to it I, I i'm just curious about that so it's not in terms of anything inherent in those people themselves but because they have more disposable income or because they they have less worries does that mean there's there's the mental health problems that occur across like socioeconomic gaps it's because of the financial availability that they can they can do the services, or
1: I mean, if you if your finances are not something that you worry about, then probably you have more access to these services.
0: And mm. if you're open to counseling, then yes, probably I would say
1: yeah. If you are open to it, um, I think it would be good for you to find a the therapist. And I often say therapists, we all me therapist and i often say i you know i'm not in therapy right now but i would love to be therapy too, because um there are always things that we can learn about ourselves and there are always things that we can work right work on and so um yeah um if you are open to it you have the finances to to support yourself or invest um, in yourself then yes um, there are definitely other options where you can get um constant sessions for um, cheaper prices. Um, however, those places, um, but the, the therapists, um, are likely to be less trained, mm. um, um, or they're in training. And so um, I think if you really, if you feel like you really need to see a therapist, but you feel like you don't really have the money that, that you need, then you can definitely see those places. However, also just, be aware that they're they're likely to be in training or that um, maybe they're not quite ready to handle a, um, the complexity that, that you might want.
0: Mm. Uh, a Korean friend of mine, she recently spoke about her experiences with different counseling and sessions from university ones to like government run mm-hmm. youth centers to mm-hmm. private ones. And she said that the young people in training They were like really determined to change the people after sort of like five sessions because they were you know, they believed in the practice and it was like, come on, you've got to get better. When you talk about 10 sessions, 15 sessions, and and we're talking about stuff like that happens inside our head and stuff that happens inside us. Do you ever see like a physical change in the people? in their like in their posture in their visage in their expressions? Does it does it manifest physically? Or is it all over going on? Sorry, you're nodding like, yes.
1: (laughs) 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 Well, some some clients I've seen over I had a client that I saw for like, six years, and not weekly, but like regularly for six years. And when I think about how she was when she first walked in and then mm-hmm. how she was when she got to
2: complete
1: two different people, right? Because of just the like the expressions and how she was holding herself, right? Like because your internal, like your understanding of self is different. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's possible to be the same person that you were six years ago if you did all that internal work. Right? Mm-hmm. And so I we talked about that. I said, you you're a different person. And she acknowledged it too. And so I think if if you go through that much of change and not even not that much of change, some change, I think it's hard to to hide it inside because mm. especially it's we're talking about you feeling good about yourself, right? I think it's it has to show.
0: Mm, yeah, absolutely. W- I I want to ask you You said about accepting uh, people when they come into your clinic, MJ. So you said uh, you smile to help put people at ease and things like that. Um, On your website, you also talk about the importance one of your things about the importance of accepting a patient's or a person's worldview and values. Now, again, I've had some people tell me in Korea that, you know, when they were talking about certain issues, it felt like the and I'm not sure what the word is the counselor wasn't accepting of their position. You know, so why do you think it's important that the counsellor accepts? What's the importance of that acceptance? Does it ever become difficult for you? Because we're all human beings with, I guess, political opinions and values, backgrounds, religious views, all of this kind of spiritual understandings. Does that acceptance ever become difficult or is it like a Hippocratic Oath? Or how does that work?
1: Um. Yeah, I think that is almost the most important factor in the, in that like successful therapy relationship because um, you need to, again, feel safe in order for you to really kind of unpack and talk about your problems. And yes, um, there are definitely clients um, or clients and maybe sessions um, that make me feel or um, that I struggle to really hear what the person is saying and just accept how different that person is from me. Um, If there are issues that are really difficult for me to understand or I feel like like, I think I'm really going to struggle with this person. I don't know if I'm going to be able to be the therapist that I can be with this person that I think it's ethical and important to say. "You, um, You know what, I don't know with I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm worried that I'm not going to be the, the professional or the best therapist that I can, that you need right now mm-hmm. and be able to transfer that kind to someone else. Um, there are, I think sessions where like, because sessions, um, people talk about different main topics in different sessions. Right. And so mm-hmm. then I think there are some, some sessions where I go, Oh, like I'm really struggling to really focus on this person or really accept what this person is saying because it's triggering my own problems, then I try to really use all my skills and say like, okay, MJ, your problems need to sit in that corner. Please Mm. don't come out until I'm done with this person.
0: When you this is just going back to the day to day practicalities or the real life experience when you talk about sessions and different topics for different sessions, is there like a guy? Does somebody just walk in and sit down and go so and then you make it up is like, right, this session, we're going to talk about, you know, your childhood and next section, we're going to talk about like your your sex drive and next sex, is there a plan? Is there homework? Or uh, I, I have no idea. I'm sorry, it's just hmm. like, Um. With
1: some clients, that does happen. I think with some clients, um, when, uh, if I meet with a client and the person really needs some structure, right? Mm-hmm. Then I go, okay, like, let's say, let's decide how many sessions we will have, 10 sessions. Then we'll, let's plan how we're going to use those 10 sessions. And two sessions, focus on this. Two sessions, focus on that. Um, so some sessions, some... Com- Sessions happen in that way. Other sessions, other clients, um, you just come in and say, we just start with a small talk, right? Like, you know what? It's kind of cloudy today. Yeah, I like cloudy (laughs) day. (laughs) Um, That reminds me of blah, 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 blah. And then, Mm -hmm. oh, um, so you thought about what happened then. And then naturally, organically, we just focus on a topic, and then I think sometimes when it's when the topic is um, aligned with what we decided our goal, our um, therapy goal, because mm-hmm. we usually decide that at the very beginning when a person comes in for the first session, because people have people came in for a reason, right? Mm. People have certain goals that they want to um, accomplish in in therapy, and so we often say, I often say, let's focus on this during our time together. And then our our yeah our talk just like naturally goes there and then we just focus on you stay there as as we want. does
0: that make sense it, it does and i i'm kind of i am probably projecting but i i'm thinking that being wow. a counselor or a therapist is kind of like being a professor <laughs> in many ways when i when i deal with all these students and and their different values and ideas and whether i can accept them and having plans and sometimes just going with the flow and all of yeah. these different experiences. Yeah. Yeah. When I'm going to try to turn this conversation a little bit specifically now to Korea, MJ, because your graduate and doctorate research that took place in the United States, New York, Pennsylvania State University. But you now live and work here in South Korea, You're Korean um, are. <laughs> Psychological issues, are they like global? Do people all over the world suffer from the same afflictions or are there specific uh, cultural manifestations? Like in Korea, are there certain things that if you're going to live and work as a counselor or therapist or psychologist in Korea, you've got to know that you're dealing with this kind of stuff rather than that kind of the stuff, or is it more universal?
2: Um. I think there is definitely a like universal, globally um, similar kind of problems, human problems, right? Like depression,
1: anxiety, um, trauma, um, different identities, right? Like religious, sexual, um, gender. Um, I think they are similar. Um, Because I like when I I think about my experiences in the States, I worked um, at three different university housing centers before I moved back to Korea. And but then the work that I do here also we work with like 45, we work with clients from 45 different countries, I think, Mm -hmm. in our center. And so it's pretty global, but I also see Korean clients too. And I think definitely similar problems. are there right? like depression, anxiety, family problems, um, interpersonal problems? Um, I think, but the the way that they talk about it may be a little bit different, and what they focus on um, a little different too. Um, and I think there's also generation um, differences too. Right? Like when I think about um, the 20s and 30s um, Koreans, I feel like I need to really think about. Um, how others view them too. Like inter, interpersonal factors really play a role, and people really compare themselves to others. And I, I did talk about social media and you know, please don't compare yourself to others and things like that in the states too. But I think definitely there, um, I, I do talk about that a little bit more in Korea too. Like you know, Instagram and you know, like other people are like this. Why is my, how come my life is not bad? And I say people, you can't really evaluate a person's life just by looking at the person's Instagram, right? And they, everyone wants wants to look like they're really, you know, living, you know, like thriving in in this world, but that's really not the case, right? And so um, I think I need to kind of, like the way that I also talk about their problems, Um, are a little bit
0: different but similar problems definitely Mm. when you mentioned this and yeah i absolutely agree if you look at my instagram you would think my life is awesome but it's you don't see the hangovers and everything else that goes on um when you talked about like this comparisons and social media in korea i mean some people are really big into these things like and you get things like han and jong there's even something called um like this kind of and you know some people suggest that there are these idiosyncratic psychological feelings that only Korean people can feel. Like if you're a Korean, you know Han, or if you're Korean, you might know Hwa Byung and to survive in Korea, you have to have this nintigaita. Is that like from the perspective of a psychologist or an academic in this, or in your own experience, are those particular characteristics unique to the Korean mental state in terms of feelings and expression, or are they just names for something that we all feel? And even if I'm not Korean, I also have Han or Hwa Byung and this kind of stuff. Um,
1: I do think there is something very unique about Korean psyche or Korean mentality. And you know, Hwa Byung was officially acknowledged in um, DSM 4 the, the book that all psychologists and psychiatrists use um, because there were, I think, so many, uh, especially women, Korean women that mm. dealt with it. And, you know, um, I don't know, This this is also like, I'm thinking of my personal experience of moving back to Korea and really like experiencing Korean culture and like how to live in Korea as a Korean woman. Mm -hmm. I think that really changed how I understood Korea too. And I think there's this very um, unspoken covert, like pressure to be certain way and live in this, in society in a certain way that I think that really um, affects people's emotional and psychological Health and you know, and that really does play a role um, in like how we live. I wouldn't really be able to like define how you know what each one of those terms that you use, and but it really, I think people often it's really difficult for people to feel like free and accepted, and you know, like understood, and feel really comfortable in this society.
0: I noticed that a lot with some young people and then they go abroad or and then I see on their Instagrams all of a sudden they're wearing shirtless tops and it' like, yeah, it's all of a sudden like the physical manifestations are different and here they feel like a constraint. You mentioned your experiences there, MJ, as uh, as a woman in Korea. So I guess I just wanna try to perhaps unpack that gender thing. Are they, so I asked the gen, uh, are mental health issues the same all around the world? Are they different? Are they same across, like men and women or or men and women in Korea. So for example, uh, when we talk about mental health in Korea or elsewhere, are we talking about mental health as something that affects us all equally, like me and you, or are there different things? I know it's Habasa, but are there different things that would affect a woman more predominantly on average than would affect the men? Are there different ailments, struggles, or are we all kind of the same?
1: I think there are definitely like gender stereotypes or expectations that put on, on gender, right? Like so Korean women and I, I also she had a really interesting conversation with another therapist here, too, because the person was talking about how she she saw a picture of me. Um, eight years ago, and I looked not this, I guess um she mm-hmm. said. I looked more foreign, and I looked more like um, extroverted. And and the person that she sees now is this like like not very Korean, like more like more feminine and and more kind of passive. And I said, yeah, probably because now my surrounding is more Korean, and I am viewed as a Korean married woman. I have two little kids, a mm. um, three year old and. 15 months old and and i have a husband who's really korean Korean people like a korean korean right and Mm. i think that really affected how i think and how like how my posture and all of that and so um and i i I was thinking about like how korean women are expected to be and i think i just kind of like organically naturally because i also need to survive too i kind of like molded myself into that image right and When the person, the therapist pointed it out to me, I kind of felt a bit sad because I think I felt like I lost a part of me that I that I was really comfortable with. And Mm. in a way that I've become I become a typical Korean woman. Um, And so I think there there is that like a get covert, like unspoken pressure. And Korean women really struggle to to put themselves in that in that mold that the society creates. Created. I don't know who created that, but you know. And for men, um, I think Korean men are also um, trained and pressured to be certain way too, right? Like talking about emotions is not so attractive, right? And there's the Korean, um, I don't think that people still say this much, but you know, Korean men, out of older generation, Korean men heard this saying of like, you're, you're only supposed to cry three times in your life, right? like mm. when you're born, when you, I don't know, when like, what is it, like some, when your parents died, and I can't remember really
0: one. and so. When your baseball team loses. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> and so, um, I think Korean men really struggle, again, to be themselves and, and feel the way they feel and be able to really acknowledge and talk about that. Mm.
2: Um,
1: and I see that daily. Um, and my husband, too, because he's a typical Korean man. And, you know, and I go, oh. like, and this the internal struggle that he, he experiences, I can kind of see it. And I really, like, I just kind of leave it alone, because I can't really touch it because I don't know what will happen. right? Mm-hmm. But sometimes I feel really sad for him and Korean men too, because that's just a lot to really try to handle. Um, but I also want to add that that's global too, in a way, because I had <clears throat> I had these conversations with um, American men when I was in the states, right? And there's actually a term, alexithymia, and that's a, um, I guess a state where you lose um, your ability to really feel your feelings and be able to acknowledge them, experience them, because you're so trained to not not experience that and then, mm. um, I think a lot of men um have lost unfortunately and people just live their life because <laughs> and I think it's simple right like it makes your life simple and convenient because you don't really have to really think and experience and feel what you feel inside because once you start acknowledging them and feeling that your life gets really complicated
0: I raised my hand as a joke but I, I will say that I have noticed that in the last few probably since having children that if I watch even like you know some some Disney movie or something the room suddenly gets very dusty when I'm watching it I like, oh I need to I, I think it's just age or something but I never used to have that uh, never used to it's, it's a new thing for me and you you ask this question like who creates this society that we live in and with all these expectations this kind of like habitus that we we inhabit and we have to try to get through I like sometimes to subvert the expectations of myself by doing stupid things like dyeing my hair yellow or, or wearing this, because I know they're expected of me, and so I purposefully stick up a middle finger at those expectations, just to remind myself that I'm still kind of free in a way. Um, when you talk about these uh, these different attitudes, expectations, men and women, and and towards Korean women, Korean men, does the like this was a question that someone wanted me to ask you, actually, does the language that is spoken impact the sessions? Like, does the use of English or Korean change the atmosphere, change the tone? So, you know, I I think a lot of people in Korea speak to me about stuff, maybe because English is a more neutral thing. And if we were speaking in Korean, honorifics immediately come in, those lack of pronouns, those reinforcement of rank, uh, are there, whereas English is a lot more neutral, I think. It's not saying better or worse, it's just different, isn't it? So does the language that is spoken in your sessions affect it, and is there anything perhaps in that you've observed doing it in Korean compared to English?
1: <clears throat> That's um, very true. Like I, so when I first came to Korea and started seeing Korean clients, my Korean client kept disappearing, right? they like after one session two sessions i just couldn't continue my sessions with my korean clients um and i couldn't figure out why i was going crazy because i was doing everything that i thought i needed to do Mm. um and then later some I, i i don't think i can even even now like really articulate how i changed but i think as i became more koreanized um i think i was able to really connect better with korean clients but um I think when I speak English, just the overall culture that we work with is not Korean. So I think people feel a little bit more comfortable and I'm also a little bit more com- comfortable. So I like, you know, kind of, I'm more laid back in like, the, my posture, the way that I sit. And then, mm. you know, like I, I joke and I play in, in a way that I think makes my clients comfortable too. Um, with Korean clients, I'm more like this. And then, you know, like. <laughs> And my, I I think I look more right um, professional uh, because I think people want that and need that in order to talk to me and feel more secure.
0: Because then I guess you're meeting the expectations of that person. Mm-hmm. They they the same with me, like as being a professor, that I'm expected to sit or dress or act a certain way to fulfil that role in society. And even something like crossing my legs when I sit down is either welcome in a foreign setting, but in Korea, crossing your legs is like a bit arrogant or something like that. And you have to adapt and learn all these rules. It takes time. Uh, uh, obviously, without getting into, I don't know how to ask this. I wanna ask you what kind of, men, what kind of issues are, might be predominant in Korea? these days. So obviously, we're in 2022. We've just gone for a COVID-19 pandemic. We've got social media everywhere, people going into metaverses. We have previously established like social structures, families becoming more people living alone, churches, society, The hyper-individualism is coming, existentialism, choice. Now, you specialize in depression, anxiety, couple counseling, identity, drinking, eating disorders, trauma. At the moment in South Korea or among the people you're seeing, are some issues becoming more prevalent or what do you think are are some of the main issues that you and perhaps your various colleagues or people around you in your field are dealing with in Korea these days?
1: Um, I don't know if there are more specific issues that people come into to address these days. However, I can say that um, I've been talking about how there are more cases that seem a little bit more se- severe or more complex. Um, and I think we talk about how um, we hypothesize. Um, we, we think it's more because we're, we've been so isolated, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because of COVID. And, you know, like, we're not allowed to eat with people. And, you know, Koreans have really, into eating together, right, and like that got ripped away from us, right. And people all were all kind of people needed to survive on their own. And so I think people feel a little bit more um, vulnerable. P- people um, are really struggling with their own issues, and so people are um, like we've been seeing more um, clients with severe depression and more. When we say high risk, it's like um. Strip- people struggling with suicidal ideation and personality disorder and really, really severe like family trauma. And so um, I think that people before COVID-19, I think people had other people and were able to kind of really distract ourselves with other things. But when COVID hit, I think workers kind of left with our struggles. And there weren't really much like much to really like occupy ourselves in a way, right? And like, um, like for a while we couldn't exercise, we couldn't go to the gym, you know. Like we're all just kind of sitting at home and just like left with ourselves. And I think that really drove some people really crazy. And so we're getting more difficult cases, and we often say, oh, we don't know if that's good or bad, right? I think it's good that people are seeking help, help, and people are more willing to come out. But I think that also says. Um, a lot
0: about how much people struggle before they walked in, too. I would like to ask you this question. I I watched some of uh, Stranger Things season four, and it doesn't matter if you haven't seen that, but it was a bit, they did this bit, which was a bit like Silence of the Lambs, which might be, and it was where uh, these two young girls were pretending, pretending, to be fascinated by a serial killer, to try and convince this like, oh yeah, it's such a complex case. I want to understand the, the depth and the complexity of this trauma. So just when you were speaking about that, you said some issues are becoming more complex and you're mm-hmm. hypothesizing it's becoming harder to understand. Is there like this thing in your field where like these really weird cases, they kind of attract you or like, wow, that's really messed up. And you you want to explore it more and the more mundane stuff is a bit boring this is with no disrespect i'm just curious Mm -hmm. but is the more complex stuff fascinating to people in your field
1: Mm, clinically sometimes yes Mm -hmm. um i mean you said oh that person is really messed up we wouldn't really use that term but
2: yeah yeah
1: i think there are some as a counselor as a therapist I often talk about how I'm so lucky to have this, be in this career, have this job because I'm I'm privy to just so many stories, so many just really personal stories that people don't share with other people, right? And so, mm-hmm. um, some complex cases or complex trauma, like I'm often amazed and awed by how how strong. Um, my clients are (laughs) like when I imagine um, what they went through like I don't know how I would survive that is sometimes what I think I'm like oh my gosh like Mm -hmm. you are just amazing that you went through all of that and you're still sitting in front of me and you're going to talk about this and address this right and so there are definitely some cases where I go like okay let's figure this out right like you are really struggling. I really want to help you with this. And let's, let's do this. Right? And there are definitely other cases where it's like, oh, I am here.
2: <laughs>
0: it's work.
1: <laughs> I am here. I want to do this with you, but I am really struggling with you too. So, mm. yeah. And when the person walks out, I go, oh, thank God. You yeah, know, like, not because that person is I don't know like wrong or like there are definitely some clients that it's hard for me to work with too right or Mm. that person is pushing on all my buttons and it's like sometimes like like, I'm going to stay calm with you (laughs) like (laughs) and I'm not going to let you you know go crazy on you and Mm. yeah so I think you know that applies to all I guess human relationships, right? Like, I, I I assume that you have students like that too, so.
0: I suddenly feel very sorry, like, for your husband or close friends when you go home and you're like, ah, these people. <laughs> uh, <Yeah. laughs> so
1: it's really, I often say it's really important for me to have some space between my office and my home so that mm. I can just kind of let those, I don't know, those struggles disappear mm. or just kind of disappear before I get home.
0: So. And I guess that was the problem with COVID, when people were working from home, there wasn't even that car journey or that walk, that subway where things like, uh, you know, dissipate away from your head and disappear. Yeah. You. Uh, um, you mentioned, you know, some things about the extreme cases and, and the suicide. This is a question that you might tell me is stupid, but in the last episode, Lena Guan told me there are no stupid questions, so I'm gonna ask it.
1: It is very true.
0: Okay. <laughs> if you had to psychoanalyze or if you had to oh. analyze the Korean nation as a whole, <laughs> is such a thing possible? Can we understand the mental state not of an individual but on in a macro approach, macro approach of Korea? Because when we look at the suicide rates in Korea. Like and there's a very complex question. I know it's it's a whole topic in and of itself, but very high uh, compared to the OECD OECD average. You know, amongst young people, it actually rose as Korea's economy rose, which is an interesting counterintuitive thing. And then when we look at happiness indexes around the world, and there are many different ones, and they all use different methodologies, but Korea is often very low. There might be different reasons for that because we measure happiness differently here, but. Is it possible to look at, you know, Korea's mental health as a nation and sort of go, people aren't very happy here and they're killing themselves or is it different from that? And it's a stupid question.
1: It's not a stupid question, but it's a very complex, difficult question. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I can answer the question. Um, I don't know if I can diagnose this country. (laughs) Um, But I often think about how anxiety is so prevalent in this country. People don't really talk about anxiety, though. Like, people talk about anxiety attacks a lot, I think, mm, right? Mm. And, you know, all the like the TV stars, they talk about their anxiety attacks and how they go to hospital for it. And I think it's great that they're, that they're talking about it, but I think this country is so, I mean, even I personally think about this all the time too, like this country is changing so, fast right like society like every year i feel like it's different right i've been in korea for seven years now and it has changed so much in the past seven years and i think it's really difficult for us to really understand and predict what will happen how things will be next year right and and the economy is really bad and you know and people really are really struggling to like hold their sense of control and sense of agency in in this country these days. And this is just my understanding, right? Mm. Um, I don't have any statistics for this, but um, but I think people really don't know how to really to to really cope with this anxiety that they're holding, right? And um, and so people just really focus on on random things to to really like, contain what, this anxiety that they experience. And so um, one, I, I think it's um, interesting theory is um, at, once I read uh, that when a society is really um, struggling with anxiety, parents really focus on their children's education. Right? And um, when I think about Korea, you know, parents go nuts Right? And their kids in college, and you know, like I was talking to someone um, about my kid. My my oldest daughter is thirty six months old, and um, they're talking about like you know the English kindergarten, young o and mm-hmm. because they need to start so early, or and but you can't even get into a young one without no English, and and the person was. Like criticizing me for not speaking to my child at English. and I said, hmm, "Okay." Like I don't know if that's how I want to raise my child, but anyways, my focus is like we are all just like really struggling with the societal anxiety that I think, um, that really like uh, challenges our sense of control and and our well-being, and so then, thus everyone's just kind of unhappy and it's just- goes up and, and all that, right? But then um, it's really difficult for us to really work with suicidal clients or yeah, clients with suicidal thoughts too, because there are not enough resources that we can actually really use either. Mm. And people can just like have suicidal plans and all of that. And then we can we, um, talk to them about going to the hospital, um, but they can just walk out too like there is nothing to like hold them and really um make sure that they get the treatment they need um when those situations
0: mm. Mm. just amongst all that mj i wasn't sure if i i caught it right but were you saying that people with People affected by social problems, by society, by the pulan, the anxiety, and everything, they then focus on their children's education as a way of dealing with that anxiety. Mm
1: -hmm. Because they don't know how to deal with it. So they want to make sure their children are in a better state, right? And people want to make sure that their children have more options and and, um, have more resources. And the only way that they can do that is mm. for them to really like hyper-focus on their children's education and like what they can provide their children. Because that's the only thing that they can do to kind of mm.
0: like,
1: control their anxiety. Does that make sense?
0: It, it does make sense. But then I'm wondering, because uh, it was going to come to it later in the conversation, but something that so many of my <laughs> young undergrads talking about these days, especially the Korean women, is intergenerational trauma. This seems to be something that they're all fascinated by this trauma that's passed down from their grandmothers to them and to them. So if if parents, whether they're men or women, they feel kind of anxiety or social pressures, and then they focus their children on education as a way of sort of not dealing with their problems, but is, is that what's happening there? Is, is that intergenerational trauma? Is that passing it on or is that a different thing?
1: I think that's part of it too. I think the message then that the children are likely to get uh, um, is
2: is like, rather than dealing with
1: what is happening, you're focusing on something else, right? And Mm -hmm. um, I think when I think of that, like when a person, when a parent is hyper-focused on um for his child, right? It's not going to be a, like organic, like, you know, like accepting kind of supportive kind of um environment that they're going to create, right? It's like you go to Hagwan and you need to, you know, like you need to, you know, like go to three Hugues after school and all of that. Right. And so and quiet and all, you know, like I'm not in that stage yet. So I I wouldn't be able to really talk about that. But um the message then the child will get is okay again not um, my happiness. happiness is not important it's these you know specs right that you or mm. like, uh, right, what's going to control my life and what that's the most important thing and so then um, that's what they're going to believe but they will also feel really pressured to mm. focus on that so there is the like internal emotional conflict um that they will experience. And they won't even know that that's happening because, you know, we don't really have that kind of awareness. And so then that's what they're going to really like feel and, and, and believe. And then when they have their children, that's going to be re-emphasized again, because that's the environment and, and the the like overall message that we got from them. Yeah. So that, I think that's how intergenerational intergener- um, trauma works. Um, But I think when, I I often kind of cringe when people use the word trauma because, lightly, because I think we all, a lot of people use it really, really like, you know, like, oh, you traumatized me. But Mm. when someone who's really struggling with trauma um, hears that, that's almost like a little bit offensive too. I mean, I don't want to minimize, you know, other people's experiences, but, Mm. you know, like, there are some, sometimes often the word is used so lightly, right, that, that um, I think people may want to think twice about it before they use that word. But anyways, um, a lot of people really, I think trauma is part of life, right? Like we all struggle um, in a way with some situations or experiences that were really difficult for us to like cope with. Mm. But I think a lot of us also um, didn't have the resources, that we needed to really kind of like work through those traumas too. And in order to deal with those traumas, I think different behaviors happen, like um, emotion um, dysregulations, like can't really deal with your emotions or like start yelling or, you know, like, um, like uh, relationship problems and um, a lot of different things. I think when a person is really dealing with trauma and not really having the resources, I think because we need to cope with those traumas, we behave in so many different ways, right? And um,
2: when we um,
1: start having those patterns, and um, so so a mom has has been really struggling with mood disorder. Moose swings and start yelling at her kids all the time because she's keeping triggered by whatever she experienced. Mm-hmm. Then her child will be in this environment of mom keep yelling, right? That's the way that she, she learned um, parent love, right? And so then she is likely to kind of practice that again when she has her own child i think that's the intergenerational trauma that we can see um but it's not like the the daughter will really like get the trauma experience from the mom and somehow like ingrained you know like have it in her own memory so
0: so it's it's repeating or copying the manifest behaviors and actions so it's not like this this energy this ethereal thing is passed out from one to the other but it's a manifestation that 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 makes perfect sense to me it's interesting where you talk about you know the the kids and the education because if there's one thing is this tmi no it's okay there's one thing that me and my wife communicate about it's kind of fight but we're cool with it is about how much study our kids should do you know because it's not just hagwon but it's also gumon and it's also all these home stuff you know it's it's like it's, it's kind of like nine till nine every day and they're like six and seven and you're like no that's that's too much and it's korea and so that that's one thing that i feel is real you also mentioned about mj this disuse of the word trauma that might do disservice to people that actually have trauma and i've observed teaching lots of international students in the various universities that international students, particularly from North America, when they're doing presentations and talks, they'll pepper their work with trigger warnings and trauma and all of these kind of things. And it, it, it's their culture. And I accept it. The Korean students don't really do that. But I, I I wonder if that's kind of, you know, making us more sensitive rather than helping it. It, it tells us to be more sensitive or to be more affected by it. Do you maybe before we go on to the next topic? Do you understand this point that I'm making? That there is this focus on this might be triggering, this might be traumatic for you, so be careful. And you know, people will leave class. I can't watch that. Does do those things help? Do they hinder? Are they kind of value neutral?
1: You're asking: Is it like appropriate and helpful, beneficial, or is it just like over? Like are people overdoing it? Right, and so then.
0: I'm I'm perhaps suggesting that people are overdoing, I, I'm asking whether people are overdoing it because you said, if we use the word intergenerational trauma so much, it does disservice to actual trauma. Mm-hmm. And so we misunderstand the severity of what trauma is. So by, you know, focusing on this language, are we doing a disservice to it? Are we, or is it actually useful for some people?
1: Um, I'm sure it's, it's useful and helpful for some
2: individuals mm-hmm. um,
1: Is that a problem? Um, I think people are definitely more more sensitive or more aware of how how um, other people can be affected by what they're really, what they're about to share um, Then I think it's also really tricky too, cause it's like, you know, like the whole like politically correct kind of thing, you know? Like it's like, what is a, enough and what is appropriate right. to um And, but another thing that I often think about is I, I think it's also good and bad that people have these words that they, and they're more aware. So they, they know how to verbalize their experiences. And I think that's really good, but also at the same time, I think that really, makes things a little bit more complicated too and complex because um, sometimes people um, are not sure how to verbalize it well mm-hmm. and I think when they try to really speak about certain things like um, it just gets more
2: intense and more complicated because
1: they're not quite sure what they're like it's not quite organized right and so Mm. then it just comes out to be too more intense more confusing and i think people are more overwhelmed by that too does
0: that make sense it does it does make sense and perhaps there's also an expectation because other people are doing it we want to fit in just like to fit into korean society we we dress or act certain ways with haircuts and then maybe to fit into those societies we also copy those behaviors of trigger warnings and language it might be that I'd like, MJ, for us to talk about this idea of career changing. You said Korea is not the same one year, it is the next. And that's something I really, really believe. If you talk about sort of Korean culture or something that not only are there many Korean cultures, but the culture today is different from five, 10 years ago. So quickly it changes. Um, Traditional attitudes towards mental health. These are broad generalizations in, in Korea would be that you don't talk about mental health, that you just kind of use nolyok or effort to get through problems, that you shouldn't disrupt group harmony by talking about your own problems, that it it might show negative signs to your parents or your family that if you had mental health problems and that it might come up on like your insurance records or your medical health so that you shouldn't talk about this stuff. Basically, there were so many factors in the past related to mental health in Korea that people didn't really address it or talk to it. And some were kind of worries about legal issues, family issues, cultural issues. These days, I'm noticing more and more people, the young generation, the people in their twenties, like openly talking about it and discussing these things. And there seems to be a change happening. Like I, I observe this change, it's different from the narrative that I once saw. And I wonder if you have any observations like about, Korean people, young in their 20s or 30s, being more open to these issues and talking about them? Is this a change that you've observed or do you have any um, comment on how, why this change is taking place?
1: And why? Um, Definitely people are more open to talk about their problems. And we definitely, like when I think about, again, when I try to compare my experience eight, 10 years ago in Korea. And now people are definitely more open, um, more willing to come in and talk about their experiences. But the, the when I think about like the age range is definitely younger, like, you know, 20s to, I think people in their 40s um, are the like the cap, like are people that are willing to come in. I think 50s, we don't really see too many 50s. Um, mm. Sometimes like, um, 60s harmony like grandma grandpas do come in not because they wanted to come they 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 come in because they're children you know like mm. you have to go with me you have to go with me and and they come in and they just kind of sit in there like i don't know why i'm here
0: <laughs> So and for a chat that's what my man would right.
1: do <laughs> I mean, it's not their culture right like they're like saying like you know like my child wants so to come in and talk to you, but I've never seen you. I don't know what I need <laughs> to talk to you about. And you're younger than me. I'm like, yes, that is very correct. Uh, and you don't need to share anything. With you, if you don't want to, is how usually these sessions end. But um, again, I think it's connected to how we have more words and people are more like, we hear more. We're more exposed to these conversations. And so people are, I think, young. Generation, um, if it's it's more um, normal or like normalized, right? Like talking about these problems or their, um, their mental health is feels normal to them. It's okay for them to talk about it. And I think that's a good change, right? Mm. Um, um, and so definitely more people do come in. Um, I'm sorry, I think your question was a lot more complex than this. Can you invite me more?
0: do you think the media helps like um, there's uh, and all these kind uh, of things right uh, that there, there's books there's dramas there's pop stars talking does the does the media it's becoming more prevalent in mainstream media does that help or as a professional when you see some of that do you go oh my god no that's totally wrong you shouldn't do it like that no, like no. yeah how does the media play a role mj i
1: do think that that really did help. Again, I think that really normalized sleep, just people to just talk about their struggles. And, you know, like the overall message I think is it's a, what you're experiencing is not weird. You can definitely talk about these things and you can ask for help. I think one thing that I often um, wonder is, I think I mentioned it earlier, why people feel more comfortable To talk about anxiety attacks, I think a lot of, you know, celebs come out and, you know, TV shows, they talk about anxiety attacks and they went to the hospital and they're, you know, on psychiatric medication and it's great, but I think there are so many other problems I'm sure that they struggle with and other people struggle with and I think people are a little bit more shy to talk about those things. And I think people been a little bit bit better about depression a little bit, but it feels like there are certain topics that people are, more
0: accepting or more comfortable to talk about. One of those topics, this is a a question that, again, somebody else asked so many questions for you from other people, as well as all my own. Um, Somebody asked me to ask you this, MJ, which was that one of your specializations is Jung Taesung which I guess relates to sexuality. And so they wanted me to ask you, how did you become interested in that? And do you have any idea how Korea can move forward to become more accepting of different communities? Because that seems to also be a new topic of conversation in Korea. And it's not perhaps fully fledged or formed out here yet, as it is in other countries. So how did you become uh, interested in that? And how do you think Korea does move forward in that regard? Or...
1: I think I well, personally, I was exposed to um, the wondering of sexual orientation or LGBTQA population um, when I was young. Like high school, I had um, other high school friends that who talked about it a little bit. And so I think that's when I was exposed to it and then um, when I was in training, when I was in school, at school, you know, like it's the U.S. and like I felt like I I need to know how to work with mm. and how to talk about sexual orientation, right? Um, because I had to sit down with um, people or students who identified themselves as LGBTQA, and um, I if I try to be really honest, I think I was a bit scared in the beginning because I didn't know, right? And I think our biases, our, our um, preconceptions often come from ignorance, like we don't know what to expect. And that's where we go, ah, like, I don't know. And I think you're weird. I think it's because you're different than, you know, like what I believe in, what I understand as normal. And um, I think that's where I started. Um, and then I was more exposed, and you know, like, I'm, therapists are all focused on like validating, normalizing, like you know, not judging, and so I think mm. that's where I became a little bit more comfortable. And then I had other graduate friends that who identified as LGBTQA. and so then I, think I had personal experiences. And actually, when I was um, at Syracuse working, um, I actually had another therapist that was really interested in like working with transgender clients, and so. Um, just being um, friends with her, um, we actually just ended up going to like sex shops and like we had to, because she was really researching, she was also trying to understand and so um, um, so then we like went to see different tools that you know that transitive person would need and like we went mm-hmm. and she was, like touch this you, you know like we need to know this like, like and I asked like how do you use this right and so I remember being fascinated about like learning, and then mm. so here I actually see um, transgender clients too, Korean and and non Korean clients, and um, I also find that work really meaningful, to, especially working with transgender clients, because I understand my understanding is that resources are really limited, and there are not too many places that they can go and feel really like feel comfortable and accepted. Um, so I am emotionally just more attuned or I'm, I'm more interested in like creating that kind of setting for those clients too. And here we um, also see um, um, same-sex couples, um, because again, I don't think there are too many places where um, those couples and individuals can go um, when they need help or support, right? And so,
0: so, for Korea to move forward no. with regard to these things, it, it basically just needs more MJ's, and uh, no. <laughs> and, and then we're all there. Because I I kind of agree with the way you describe that in terms of there's there's this thing called like the contact hypothesis, where if you interact with those people and you have a shared goal, then your your fear or your ignorance or your anger goes away. It, it's not through any right. learning; it's just interaction and spending time with right. people. You you learn them better, right?
1: Right, right. Like personal experiences, right? And there is actually um, in grad school in the U.S. and, and um, those classes are in Korea too these days. So too, like we were required to take this class called multicultural counseling because we are required to work with clients with so many different cultures, right? Like not we see national cultures, but also see, right? Like family cultures, you know, religion and all, you know, like gender and, you know, education and social status, right? Like, and it's one thing to really sit, it's one thing to sit down in a classroom and like hear and and discuss, but it's another experience for you to really like put yourself in that environment and really like experience how uncomfortable you get when you are in a setting where it's like, you don't know how to behave. You don't know what, like how to like survive in the setting. Like, I think it's, that's, that's the like really valuable experience that comes as me to, need, to mm. really understand where their clients are coming from. And so I think through those classes, one, because I don't remember, I don't quite remember what I did, but I had to do like two really uncomfortable experiences where I went and I was like, please don't look at me. I know that I'm not one of you. Mm. <laughs> because again, I was like, I, I, oh, I, I went to all black um, necklace or like, and I, I think I was the only non-Black non, um, person non person, and like, and there were like about 100 um, individuals, and I thought people were looking at me and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm just here, please. Like, just go and enjoy your, you know, night. And so I think those experiences are required for um, therapists to really understand, I mean, LGBT is one, but like, um, what's the term that I'm looking for? Like, when you are not the, major, what's the, what's the word I'm looking for? I can't, it's,
0: Social minority when you're in a.
1: Minority, sorry, social minority. I use English when I'm, like these days, when I see clients, it's the only time that I use English these days, and so my terms are not quite.
0: Okay. your terms are amazing mj don't worry
1: <laughs> so um so those experiences i really needed to work with um clients that are right there on social minorities and um, i think LGBTQ working with lgbtqa um, in korea is definitely um that um but i want to also say that um the Korean some Korean therapists are really working toward training other Korean therapists. Um, they're heterosexual and they're not really comfortable or trained to work with LGBTQ population these days. Um, I'm part of two different um, psychological associations, and they're definitely like working groups task force to to talk about um, how to eth- ethically and you know effectively work with with that population. And so I think Mm. it's hopeful. I think um, and I I hear people really strong, people really like um, working toward or like they're really invested in training themselves to work with this population. So um, it's happening.
0: It's very positive to hear that it is happening, because sometimes I think we expect South Korea to be like Western Europe, like now, and without accounting for the huge historical and cultural differences, you know, they're at different stages of their timelines, I think. So, you know, it's really interesting to hear that it is happening. And also the idea, you know, that you had to put yourself in that kind of difficult or weird situation where you're the only Asian person out of a hundred different because I thought you were going to explain something about doing something in a classroom, but the fact that it was kind of like real world. And I, I think that's really interesting. Like putting yourself in uncomfortable situations is a really kind of nice thing to do. And I think not many people do that. You know, we always want to be safe. And but right. going into the unknown is something that I've always kind of enjoyed doing because I don't know, makes you feel alive, but there is also that deeper empathy. Understanding that you get from being a minority for being looked at and those things
1: Right 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 definitely. and I think without like without that kind of experience, it's, I think it would be really difficult to understand clients in, in general too, and the clients who like really struggled before they, they decided to come in right mm. like, because I think it's, it takes. It requires some courage to to pick up the phone these days, you know, I'm opening up the web page and really like I'm filling out the form, but <clears throat> saying that okay, I have been struggling enough alone that I would like some help from someone that I don't know, right? And um, I think it in order to really understand where that the person is coming from, I think therapists also need that personal experience of, okay, I don't know what I'm walking into, but I really want to experience, have this experience and willing to trust myself and, and explore what is about to happen. Right? And so because clients, that's how clients come in, especially clients who never had therapy. Like, mm. I, think, I think about how scary that must be Right. to come in and say like okay now I'm expected to talk about my very personal right, issues or struggles that i that's going on inside with someone they've never seen mm. right. and so <clears throat> and I think in order to be able to empathize with that you need to know how that feels
0: yeah yeah even just to to, to open that door to cross that threshold to physically put yourself in that You know, when you feel that hesitancy to go forward, which I guess is why like Saiba Sangdam, I saw the statistics, how much they've risen in terms of, you know, South Korea's technology and we're doing it right now. But how much that's like increased the availability of people, perhaps before we get there, I do want to touch on just to make sure we do before time runs out, though, MJ, um, the idea of medication. So I'm not sure how well versed you are in this or how it where in the conversation it comes in terms of counseling does it come alongside does it come you know as a substitute but over the last few years i've seen more and more you know people talk openly about things like ritalin adderall depression concentration pills like deti pills given to students to get them through hagwon life and stuff like that but i've noticed medication has become more of a thing here in south korea so do you have a particular stance on medication alongside or in place of therapy counseling? How does it work? Perhaps in this Korean context, is there anything we need to understand about it?
1: Um, I do believe medication is necessary and sometimes must. So, when a person um, is struggling with daily functioning, right, like getting up, taking a shower, taking a shower like you know, keeping hygiene. Um, if those things are becoming a problem, it's not happening or it's really difficult to maintain that, then I think, yes, you definitely need medication.
2: Mm. And you know earlier
1: I said therapy um, for change to happen and through therapy, takes some time.
2: Um,
1: and sometimes and, and in order for you to really work on yourself emotionally, psychologically, you need to have some like internal energy, right? And and be able to really focus on those things. But if your daily function is not happening, you're just not going to be able to focus on those things. Right. So, so sometimes I often say, no, I think in order for therapy to really work well, I think it would, I think it's really smart for you to go and see a psychiatrist. Because we want to make sure that you can actually go through each day and be able to think about counseling, therapy, and other things. Um, however, sometimes, after, I mean, you mentioned it, but I think um, some people go, And sorry, there's a little bit of noise happening outside. Um, some people are readily or more willing to seek medication first mm-hmm. because working on themselves, it seems scary where there's too much work. And, and um, in those cases, then I say, can we just work on yourselves a little bit before yeah. we consider medication? Because you can definitely um, take medication, but at some point, if you decide to, to discontinue and stop, your problems will be still there. And, and then we're talking about you being on medication forever. And not dealing with your problem or at some point and or like three years from now feeling like you can't really delay anymore and work on yourselves then mm. i think it's better for you to work on it now than you know three five ten years from now
0: so it does is the noise outside by the way is it one of those election trucks or, oh, you know, you... uh,
1: like the um like you will go to hell kind of
0: it's it's normally one or the other isn't it it's normally politicians or religious types (laughs) maybe they know what we're talking about sorry no 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 that's totally fine uh um let's thank you for the medication talk it like I need to ask you about this as well. When I first came to Korea, everyone was asking me about blood type as a way of determining personality and things like that. And everyone's like, oh, David, you're definitely a blood type B. And I had no idea what my blood type was because we just didn't do it in England. I just said, my blood type is red. That's all I know and probably diluted with whiskey um but these days it's all about mbtis and like it's huge the university asked me to submit my mbti so they could make like a profile of me and i was like i'm not doing that because i don't want to be in a box you know i want to stick the middle finger up to expectations but i've seen like uh companies say we're looking for people with these type of mbti's on advertisements students are young people are so into it MJ like and it's it, because it's there in the social media it's all around them is is this scientific is it important do you have a perspective on MBTI because there's 16 of them now I think so we've we've gone yeah. up from like four blood pipes to 16 people but are they good oh um. Do you it's know your one.
1: Sure. I, I think I think some psychologists are really against it, and they say it's not scientific. Other people say they have some validity, um, but I think I'm not so keen. I, I mean, I, I don't think I like it all much. Like like what you said, right? Like, um, like putting a person in that the one of sixteen categories. I think that really makes me really uncomfortable too. Mm-hmm. And another thing that people criticize it criticize mbti because the results can come out differently depends on how you're feeling that day right and so like how valid is that right and Mm -hmm. um even you know with like um e and i right extrovert introvert like um there are people talk about how like they're a hidden and extroverted invert you know introvert person and I, i think it's just it simplifies it too much that i i yeah, that I don't think it's, it. maybe if you want to really like simplify a person, then I guess that's a way to go. But, it, you know, like it doesn't feel like that's the way to really understand a person. But I also agree with you how this this definitely feels like it's a trend because even, you know, like different TV shows talk about it, you know, like mm. people talk about this nonstop. And I, I do like, I do want to like turn the channel. I mean, I don't watch TV all that much, but when I see it, I'm like, oh, Again, like, ugh. <laughs> um, Because it's like, yeah, I mean, what's the point? Like, what do you gain by putting a person in that, you know, one category?
0: I wonder whether, particularly for young people, because now the message to them is like, be yourself and choose everything. They have like this existential thing where there's there's very little guidance saying, you should be this and you should do this but now the message is just do what you want. And a lot of time they don't know who they are or they don't know who they want. So the MBTI provides an answer for them that's very simple. I completely agree that if you do the test on a Monday morning or on a Friday night, you'll get completely different results or, you know, depending how you feel. But I also worry that, you know, students might do it and it might say they're I introverted because they did it that day. But then they'll they'll think that they're introverted and they'll become more introverted because that's what they believe themselves to be. So it, it becomes like their destiny or something that they have to live up to this four letters that's been given to them rather than being a weird multi-personality, wonderful being.
1: Right. I mean, I think it's, it's the labeling, I think. And and that's why I don't like diagnosis either. Um, It's a different, that's a different topic too. But like when you label yourself with these four letters, like then I think it's some, for some people it's really easy to, or they're inclined to change their behaviors to fit into that label that they, that were given to them, or they kind of, you know, like attain themselves. And so, like with diagnosis too, like you know, a person comes in and they go, like, I have clinical depression.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I have clinical because because of that, I am this, 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 this way. And I'm like, you can take that off. Like you, you're not just depression. You have other qualities and other, you know, like sides. And but some people just cannot get away from that one label that are that they take.
0: Mm. and and,
1: yeah mbti definitely
0: is the same and i I think using labels to ourselves has become sort of sometimes it provides cultural capital in some circumstances where if you say oh i am this or that or the other it can raise your 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 value in certain situations um just as we come towards the end of this conversation because i know you are giving us your time here and obviously you don't work for free mj but while you're here like Can you share any knowledge or any advice for us about how we can improve our own mental health? Like, should we be doing something with our relationships? So it's like, is there anything that you think generally works across the board? Not for everyone in every situation, but, you know, you said you don't watch too much TV. You don't go into MBTIs too much. Is there any advice you have in terms of like sort of mental health or well-being, that kind of thing?
1: Um. this is too cliche, but I often talk about self-care. But I think that term, some people think that in a, like, sort of grand way, like, self-care is not about, like, you taking a, like, long vacation trip or, you know, like, taking a whole week off or, you know, like, I don't know um, what else, like, going to, like, a fancy dinner. But, like, when I think about self-care, like, I think about stopping myself and like listening to one, my like a favorite music. Um, these days, what I tried to do, <laughs> I thought about this and I thought, this is so silly, but mm. it's, that's my life right now, right? Like, I have two little kids and it's really difficult for me to um, really dry my hair fully because my mm. little kids are like running around and they are 10 million t- 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 things that I need to do. And so my hair is not quite dried um, every day, right? Like mm. it's, it's a really struggle for me to like stand there and dry my hair fully. And it takes about, I think five minutes, I don't know. Um, and so every morning I tell myself, I'm going to dry my hair all the way. That's me taking care of myself. Mm-hmm. It's really, really hard,, <laughs> and mm. my hair is short for a reason, but still, like there are those little things that that I can do um, so that I feel like I am taking care of myself, and it doesn't take it doesn't have to take more than five minutes. Mm. And so if you can do things like that and be really intentional about what you are mm. needing, um, I think people will just feel a little bit
2: just slightly um, bit. Better if if they can just focus on one thing
1: that they can do to make themselves feel better, um, and I don't know, just like acknowledging and just being really honest with with um, yourself, I think is another thing that you can do to really take care of yourself. And I think that's really difficult to do it in this society because again, so many expectations, you know, so many things that people are needing and wanting
0: very hard to be honest with yourself as well it's very easy to be honest about other people <laughs> you know and you mentioned the religious people outside but ever since it <laughs> stuck from me when i was young like this matthew 7 3 that it's very easy to see other people's faults. it's very very difficult to see your own you know that's a long old idea that we have this might be too personal a question but i'm curious because i'm reading a lot of pierre Bourdieu at the moment about distinction and class and taste but what music do you listen to God, is it, is it is it like is it like Taylor Swift or do you listen to like Chopin and Tchaikovsky?
1: No, no question. Um, unfortunately, um, oh, I listen to some uh, very old Korean like Korean um, so music, it? And then, um, you know, honestly, um, there's a couple of very old korean songs that i go to when i feel really low um so that's what i was thinking when i was talking about music um <laughs> unfortunately these days um the misery of music that i listen to are children's music <laughs> you yeah. know um baby shark and i listened to the muffin man about 10 times this morning the Muffin okay. Man. Yeah, yeah. you know the big man, and that drives me crazy. But at the same time, I think that also kind of takes me away from the work that I do here too. So I think there's a bit of a balance between my two very drastic different
0: life. Mm.
1: Yeah environments
0: i I, i'm really similar that when our kids were that young my knowledge of all the kids songs and everything like that was just it was off the charts i knew all the songs and Mm. i would even i would even be in like my korean lessons with my korean teacher and she would ask me david do you know this word and i'd be like yeah it's in that kid's song and i would start singing the kid's song to her like you're singing muffin mad my teacher would just look at me and just go david you're you're an idiot Uh. (laughs) that's where
1: i am these days i hope i hope it will end pretty soon but i think for i think another year this is where
0: be. <laughs> yeah yeah speaking of kids day, is um much respect to you for what you're doing as well i know how difficult it can be sometimes the challenge is even washing your hair drying your hair becomes a, a big thing <laughs> leaving the house becomes a big thing you know just just to leave the house is a luxury now um because it takes so much time prepare everything get everything ready Is this this might be too big a question, but is mental health a lottery? Because mm-hmm. we have two young children, six and seven, Edward and Elizabeth, and and their their states of being are so fundamentally different. They they exist. They walk through life with just these different mental states, and you know they both come from me and my wife, so they're made. But we know our hair color is kind of genetic. you know eyes, weights, all of this. Is mental health a lottery? Are some people just born, like, lucky? They're just, like, tall or they're beautiful or they've got good mental health. Other people are are born with these things. Is that how it works?
1: A little bit. Um, I believe there are enough research um, um, that suggests that depression and anxiety are hereditary. So, like, you can can inherit, like, um, predisposition. To depression, anxiety, and ADHD too. I mm. think is one that people do talk about. Um, and then so there's that um, path. And I think depression, anxiety can be passed down to like intergenerational trauma. That when parents um, are struggling with depression, anxiety, like they have certain ways of dealing with depression, anxiety, and other things. And that's what their their children are exposed to. Like that's like the way to live life because that's mm. the only. Thing. When they And yeah, so it's kind of as you said, like imprinted on them. And so then um, they're more likely to behave and see things in that way, because their parents struggle with the undiagnosed often, right? And so they're not aware of it until, you know, they're grown and they're adults, and they go, hmm, why do I do it that way? Mm. Because people like that's what they saw, right? And so then um, when they start asking those questions, I think often then people find out, oh, I think my parents really struggle with depression anxiety and I didn't really realize and I didn't really think about why I act that way but that's how my parents do things and yes this is something that I need to really address and
2: work on especially sometimes what happens
0: that's interesting because it seems to shed some insight into the nature of like just humans or existence in general because if I look at again our two children sorry to do the personal aspect but my son sleeps exactly like me I sleep mm-hmm. exactly like my mother I'm talking about the position where you put our hands under the pillow and things like mm-hmm. that whereas my daughter sleeps exactly like my wife exactly like her auntie and they all and this is not taught but it just seems and it's right. not even I think through seeing or you know repeating that behavior but it's just it's really interesting to see that kind of you know, control C, control V across generation, you get this copy and paste of various mm-hmm. things that's behavioral and, and personality and things like that, that we're just kind of reflections of the past. Or... Yeah,
1: definitely. And I think that's uh, when I think about like what people are more predisposed, I think there's a little bit of that, like depression, anxiety, you just, yeah, you know, just inherited a little bit and...
0: Mm we do um is there anything just just a couple more questions for you then is there anything that I asked you about what we can do for our own mental health or do stuff so like we can dry our hair properly every morning and things like that? <laughs> which is a good yeah. one yeah um is there anything that we should do to to look out for things in our friends or our families or or, or people around us, um, you know, is there anything that we should be looking out for? Obviously nothing as dramatic as they like this and there's a rain cloud above their head and like it works in the cartoons, right? But is there anything we can do to, to be more sensitive or attentive to other people?
2: Um, well, I think sometimes it's very
1: obvious but people don't know how to bring it up or how to talk about it, right? Like if your close friend is acting strange or acting differently, right? Like something is different, but you can't really figure it out, but it doesn't feel good or positive, right? Like the person is kind of like disappearing and not really responding to you as much as you know the person used to. Um, I talked about functioning. So like that person doesn't look, I don't know, clean mm-hmm. or um, that person doesn't look happy. I think it's okay to just like check in and say, like, hey, like what's up? How are you doing? Right? And um and I, I say that because often if what when a person is really struggling, um often he or she really is likely to want to talk to someone but doesn't know how to start the conversation either. And so I think just showing your um attention or that like you know just expressing your care, I think is just like a uh, a hint like hey i'm here if you need something talk to me but we're like you're like being a little different i feel like i need to worry about you do i need to worry about you right is something mm-hmm. that i sometimes i say um in korea i talk about um alcohol use because people drink a lot but i mean i think with covid it's a little bit different too because but still like um if a person is drinking more or you know than usual, then I think that's something definite that, you know, that it's a it's a signal or it's called you know, right for help sometimes. And so just checking in and say like, hmm, I feel like you are being this way these days, something going on, I think it's just a good way to start.
0: Mm do I need to worry about you is an interesting line to use to people. Like, hi, do I need to worry about you? Like, what's us
1: go Well, not with that tone. <laughs> <laughs> but just like, yeah. yeah no. how, how are you doing, right? Like
0: In Korea, people normally get that. You look tired. That's normally the one that we get in Korea so much, isn't it? Yeah. You look tired. Um, no, What don't, don't, are you going to do
2: for me? viewing. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
0: thanks now i feel tired because you've told me i felt fine before um but no that does make sense i think just being open or or giving people maybe yeah alcohol use or things like that does make perfect sense drawing this towards the end of the conversation mj this is the 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 last question it's a question i ask all my guests and it's a bit of a weird one um i can already see the apprehension on your face but we're all in this world together and we we're all trying to get through this experience of life um so what can we do to give more meaning to our existence how can we provide more value to other people mj what is the meaning of life um baby shark
1: i um i i ask the question all the time right like how do i make my life more meaningful and my uh, often i tell myself just getting through each day and doing what i need what i need to what i can do what i would like to do and if you're like okay i think i did okay today makes my life meaningful i think that, like the fact that I can actually like, be really honest with myself and say, okay, I think today was okay.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: There are definitely days where I can't say that, and there are definitely days where I go, like, why did I do that? Or like, I hope no one finds out that I did that. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, just knowing that there are definitely days where I can say, okay, I did everything that I could, and I am okay with all the mistakes that I made today not
0: the bad. I think what more can I ask for? Mm. Getting through each so, day. Because there's always mistakes, I think. We we can't right. expect the, the, the perfectness. And we all get that, like, evil kick where we're like, oh, I did that. Oh, my right. God. It's always there. I've those days,
1: too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: It's brain has a wonderful habit of telling you just before you're going to sleep. Do you remember that stupid thing you did? Um d- Do you think... You know, because you've talked about your two young children and also the work you do with the counselling, do you think it helps, like, working for others, living for others, you know, we, I mean... I don't know why I ask that because sometimes I've found like being in around education that because I'm often focused on other people, it it, it does help, you know, that I'm I, it, I'm not so focused on myself so much, which I think is a good thing. I don't overanalyze, but I'm there trying to help other people. And I I, I think that's a, a pretty cool thing. Do you experience that with like counseling or in your personal life with your children and family?
1: Definitely. I mean, I think it's pretty amazing to see people change and people, you know, like with couples too, I, sometimes I, um, once heard someone say, you really saved our marriage and, or like you saved my life or like, you know, I really thank you for the work that you were able to do. Like that just makes my day and like, this is why I live for, you know, and <clears throat> I think I'm just really lucky to be able to do that. Um, there are definitely days that are just really emotionally taxing too, um, and with children too. Right, I go home and, another day, right? <laughs> but with that too, like I see my kids like growing and you know start saying things and making eye contact and smiling. I go, yeah, this is this is pretty cool. And the fact that I can do that, I think, just really lucky and really privileged to be able to experience
2: it and to be able to say, yeah, this is what I do for a living. So.
0: Absolutely agree. And this has also been pretty cool, MJ. So thank you for today. It's been great.
1: Sure. Thank you for having this you know, time too. Like it really made me think about a lot of other things, um, just thinking about the questions or the conversation that we were going to have today. I, I enjoyed it. So, so thank you. Thank you.
0: I'll cut it there, bang. Okay. That was pretty cool, I enjoyed that.